Well, hey, welcome to Embrace. I'm so glad you guys are with us today. Uh, my name is Austin, and I'm the campus pastor at our St. Croix campus in Minnesota. And so a shout out to you today. Hope you guys are doing great this morning. Uh, welcome to all of you at all of our campuses and all of our network churches. Uh, just excited about what God is doing, um, specifically at the St. Croix campus. And if you know anybody on the east side of the Twin Cities or the west side of Wisconsin uh, that's looking for a church home, we'd love to have them be a part of what God is doing at Embrace. So feel free to invite them as you see fit. But uh, we're going to continue on today um, in week three of our message series called Anxious and Afraid. And so that just, it's just an upper of a title even. Don't you just feel inspired and excited? Anxious and afraid, who wants to talk about that, right? Uh, but uh, I guess nobody, but it's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll get there. We'll get there. Don't worry about it. As, uh, as we do start, I'd like to see a show of hands of all of you people at all of our campuses, all locations, who likes scary movies? Scary movies, who likes them? Y'all are jacked up, Okay. I don't understand scary movies. I mean, as expensive as movies are, I enjoy going to the movie theater with my wife and seeing movies, but to spend a small fortune and go to a scary movie only to find myself as I take my trash can to the end of the driveway at night to be running back up the driveway, looking over my shoulder out of the fear of a clown with a large hammer chasing me, okay? I don't understand why I would do that to myself. When I was younger, I was being chased by flying monkeys from The Wizard of Oz, so... I've had a bad experience, okay? Honestly, I, uh, I don't understand scary movies. I don't love it. Maybe it has nothing to do with movies. Maybe I run up the driveway because I'm scared of the dark. I think all of us are a little bit scared of the dark, right? I mean, okay, no, I guess. I'm the only one, to be honest today, okay? Everybody else is lying. Uh, I guess my kids come by uh, this fear of the dark, honestly, because I don't know about you, but if you have kids and you put them to bed, if you're anything like me, I find that I tuck them into bed and I'm turning on more lights than I'm turning off. I mean, it's like three night lights, leave the light on in the fish tank, and the bathroom light has to be on, and the door has to be open, and the hall light has to be on. Financially, it would make more sense if I just leave the bedroom light on. I don't know. Maybe that's what you needed to hear today. Save some money. Just leave the bedroom light on. It works perfect, I think. Now, I joke, I joke about being anxious and afraid about being afraid of the dark, but honestly, as we've talked through these last couple weeks, um, and as you'll hear today in my story, there are serious anxieties, there are serious things um, that we are worrying about in our everyday lives um, that are making us anxious and afraid, and, and I don't know what all those things are. These, these things in our lives, uh, for each and every one of us, are different. Um, some of them might be, will I, get to, will I keep my job after this next round of layoffs? Um, is this next medical exam going to reveal that I have camp uh, cancer or something else? Am I going to score a high enough ACT score to get into college? Or did I say enough at that job interview to get the job? Am I going to sell enough this month to pay all of our bills? To be totally honest with you, I, I don't like being afraid. I think most of us don't. In fact, I hate being afraid. Uh, being anxious and afraid just plain sucks. But statistics tell us that we're the most anxious generation yet. And as we shared these last couple weeks, uh, some say that we're currently in the midst of an anxiety epidemic. We uh, have talked about the fact that 40% of all adults in America are struggling with anxiety in some way, shape, or form, and that, na- that number's climbing. That's four out of ten of us. Four out of ten of us that are climbing. So that means that you can, you can look to your left right now. Go ahead and look to your left. Go ahead and look to the person to your right. One of those people is anxious. Probably both of them, now that I just told you to look at each other, but it's Okay. One of them is dealing with some sort of anxiety disorder. And I just want you to know that I'm not a trained counselor. I'm not a trained professional in in this. I'm not a therapist. I'm a pastor. I'm a person. I'm a husband. I'm somebody who's dealt with anxiety in my life. And I want to share a little bit of my story. 
But with these statistics, I don't think you need to be a trained professional counselor or a therapist to realize that life is not supposed to be like this. This isn't the way life is supposed to function. When I look at Scripture, I find nothing that shows me anxiety being a part of God's plan for our life. What I find in Scripture over and over again as people approach God with being anxious and afraid, what God continues to say to them is, I have peace for you. I do not have anxiety for you. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to have peace that I give you. In John 14, it says it this way. Jesus is saying, peace is what I leave you. Whose peace? It is my own peace that I give you. I do not give it as the world gives it, so do not be worried and upset. Do not be afraid. This is the story of our God. He continually is telling us, I love you and I have peace for you. I love you and I have peace for you. I have not given you a spirit of anxiety. I have not given you a spirit of fear. I have given you a life of peace. And so that's a great word to hear from our God today. And yet tomorrow morning, when we wake up, when we send our kids to school, when we step into the office, when we're driving down the road, we will find that the entire world is pushing us in the opposite direction. As God pushes us towards peace, the entire world is pushing us towards anxiety. It's pushing us towards being afraid. It's pushing us towards fear. And yet today, what I want to talk about, I want to talk about how we can find peace within ourselves. Because I'll tell you what, the, the world's not giving it to us. How can we find peace within ourselves? And I'm not just talking about the surface level, you know, top of the, the iceberg type of peace. I'm saying, do you have peace within yourself? Like deep within your soul. Like when no one else is around, when the lights are off and everybody else is sleeping, the house is silent. Are you at peace? Do you have peace I don't know what the anxieties are that you deal with in your own individual lives. For me, what I can tell you is, is it doesn't come from scary movies. It doesn't come from being in the dark. It doesn't come from any of those things. It rarely comes from pressures from outside of people that are putting on me. My anxiety comes from me. My anxiety comes from within myself. I feel the desperate need to produce. My anxiety is on the inside of me and my desire to be of value to society. And I have an incredible fear of failure. That's me. And I don't know where your anxiety lies, but there's somewhere in your life where there's worry. This last spring, I woke up one night. It was 2.30 in the morning, and I sat up in bed, and I could not catch my breath. My, test, my chest was tight. I had tingling running down my arms. I had no idea what was going on. I, I jumped out of bed and I, I walked downstairs and I started pacing around. Honestly, like, I thought I was having a heart attack. I thought I was dying in that moment. And so I was walking around because that's what you do. You try to walk off heart attacks. That's the best way to get rid of heart attacks is you just pace around a little bit. There's lots of people that do that. I don't know what I was thinking, but I literally thought I was having a heart attack, but I thought pacing around probably would help a little bit. Now, my mind was racing a million miles an hour. All the things I hadn't got done in the past couple of weeks were walking through my mind. The doom of tomorrow's tasks and the next week's and next month's tasks were going through my mind. And if I was going to be able to get them done and all the pressure that I was experiencing, all of the worst case scenarios were flowing into my mind faster than my mind could process them. I couldn't make sense of what was going on. I'd never felt like this before. And I never wanted to feel it again. But I wouldn't be so lucky because it happened three more nights in a row. The next night I went to bed, 2.30 in the morning, up, 
walking around tight chest, couldn't breathe. Next night, same thing. Next night, same thing. I'd go to sleep and I would wake up with this overwhelming feeling and sense of darkness coming over me. And as I sat in my living room, as I paced around for that fourth night, I had this question pop into my mind. And I asked myself, is this my new normal? And the craziest thing happened that as I was anxious more and more, I became more and more anxious. Because I started to be anxious about whether or not I was going to be anxious. I started to feel more overwhelmed because I was overwhelmed. I felt completely out of control. I felt discontent. I felt overwhelmed. I felt an incredible sense of fear for the future. The bottom line is I seriously had no idea. Honestly, four nights in, I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know why this was happening to me. Nothing seemed to help, but I didn't know when it would stop. I didn't know if it would stop. The best way I can describe it is I felt like I was drowning, but I was nowhere near water. I felt like I was suffocating. I couldn't get a breath. That was enough. Now, if you're sitting here and you're saying, I have no idea what he's talking about, that's because you never had a panic attack, and I hope and pray that you never have, never do. I truly hope that you never do. They are terrifying. I was terrified. I was scared. One thing that I can say, if you've never had a panic attack, one thing I can say that for all of us is all of us have had a sense of worry in our life, haven't we? Whether it be a moment or a season, we've all experienced deep worry in our lives. But I can tell you that nothing I did or said those first three nights gave me any sense of relief. I just had to wait till morning. Night four came, and I again was pacing in my living room by myself, and as I walked around my house, I remembered the words of David from Psalm 23, words that I had memorized years prior to a youth leadership team that I was on. And as I walked around, I began to say those words out out loud over myself, and I began to believe them in a new way. As I said them, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup, it overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And over and over and over again, I spoke these words, and I spoke these words, and I spoke these words, and after a while, I found that I was no longer repeating the entire words. I just continually saying to myself, he leads me beside quiet waters, he restores my soul. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me beside the quiet waters, and he restores my soul. And as I said it, I longed for quiet waters. I longed for restoration. I said it over and over and over again. And as I did that, I began to believe that God truly was leading me to that place. He was leading me to a quieter place and leading me towards restoration. I spoke those words of God's word over my life, and I believed it in a new way. The new way was I truly believed that God was the only one who leads me beside quiet waters, and he's the only one who restores my soul. And that's a truth we can hang our hat on today. God is the only one who leads us beside quiet waters and restores our soul. The world is stripping us of all of those things. And so I ask you, is there anyone in the sound of my voice who is looking for quiet waters? Is there anybody who's interested in a restored soul? Is there anybody who's sick of the status quo? 
Are we willing to take steps towards restoration? Are we interested in living into what God has promised us, His peace and His restoration and His quiet waters? You see, as I spoke those words in my living room, I wish I could say that I found the quiet waters, that my soul was miraculously and instantaneously restored that night, that my chest immediately loosened up and that I took a breath for the first time in hours, but I can't. I didn't have a miracle come over me. It didn't deliver me out of the panic attack. You see, knowing God's truth for my life and speaking it out loud didn't instantly remove it. You see, the words of Psalm 23, it says, even though I walk through the valley. It doesn't say even though I'm in the valley and God pulls me out all the time. You see, I always want God to deliver me out of my problem, but so oftentimes he delivers us through, doesn't he? You see, what God's word did for me was it got me to morning. It got me through the night to the morning. The only thing that ended the panic attack in me was seeing the sun come up. As the first rays of the morning sunlight came over the horizon and snuck their way towards my eyes, my chest loosened and I felt relief for the first time in hours. I took a deep breath for the first time in hours. In that moment, I can remember being surprised that the symptoms had just gone away as I saw the morning light, and yet as I've looked back on it, I should not have been surprised. John 1.5 says, light shines in darkness, and darkness can never extinguish it. Darkness has no chance over light. And I know that. I know that light always beats darkness. I know that darkness is powerless against light, just like anxiety is powerless against the peace that God offers us. The problem with all of this is that we are not believing that all the time. The problem is, is so many of us, myself included, we convince ourselves that we are experiencing the peace that God has offered us when really we are being pounded by the rapids of anxiety. We act like we're taking a nice stroll around the lake when really we're, we're underwater in our lives. To experience the peace of the quiet waters and to find restoration for our souls, you have to accept that you're in the rapids. We have to accept that we're dealing with anxiety. I've had the ability to go to Alaska. I went whitewater rafting down a glacial river. I've been to the boundary waters in northern Minnesotas. I've seen many calm lakes. I've seen those rapids. They are very different experiences, I'll tell you that. And yet, can you imagine what it would be like if I were to be going down this rapids acting like I was taking a stroll around a nice lake? It would be ridiculous. And yet so many of us are walking through our lives like this. We're acting like everything's fine. Oh, how's it going? Great. Oh, how's work going? No problem. Everything's awesome. Oh, how's your marriage? Oh, it's excellent. Just never been better. And inside, you're just churning, churning and churning. You're dealing with a rapids, just being overwhelmed with fear and anxiety. It's ridiculous. Being in a dark valley or even in the darkest valley is okay. As Adam said in week one, Even the darkest valley, God is still with us. But what's not okay is to deceive yourself into believing that you're somewhere else. You see, admitting where we're at is a necessary first step to finding peace within ourselves. You've got to admit it. We have to admit to ourselves where we're at. And if I'm being totally honest, the reason we don't is because we're afraid that if we admit where we're at, we're afraid of what we're going to find right below that. We're afraid of what we're going to have to deal with after that. It's been true of me many times in my life 
I just seem to think in my mind, if I don't admit it to myself, I won't have to deal with it. And yet that's not the truth. The truth is is that we are dealing with it. We're burying it. That's dealing with it. And it's going to come out, and we're going to have to deal with it in a new way. Have you ever been in a car with somebody, maybe on a road trip, driving down the road, and you, you know you're lost, but nobody's willing to look at a map. I'll leave room for some elbowing, poking, if you're with the person that generally will not look at a map when you're lost. It's okay. I've been with people like this. It's been me at times in my life, I'll just admit that to you, that we're completely lost and unwilling to look at the map, unwilling to, to look at the GPS, unwilling to figure out where we're at. It's so much easier if when we take a wrong turn or we feel like we're getting a little off track to go and realize, okay, let's take a look at the map. Let's admit that we've taken a wrong turn. Rather than just allowing ourselves to continue to take wrong turn after wrong turn after wrong turn. After you've taken a wrong turn, there's no right turn to take after that unless you go the right direction. And so oftentimes we have to look at the map. But we don't. We don't do it in our lives either. We just continue to say everything's okay, it's okay, it's okay until it explodes. You find yourself awake in your living room feeling like you're having a heart attack. A few years ago, I had an opportunity to go caving with a, with a group of youth leaders down in Georgia. And so we, uh, we put on our headlamps and our gear and we crawled through a hole in the ground like, I don't know, about that big, which was terrifying all in itself. And we climbed down this, this steep slope and we got down into this, this big room. It took about 10 minutes to climb down in there. We found ourselves inside of a room inside of this cave about the size of a large football stadium, which is also terrifying in the fact that we're walking on the ground above a room that size. But we're not going to talk about that because this is anxious and afraid and we don't need any more stuff like that in our lives. Now we found ourselves in this huge room and uh, the guy that was guiding us around, he said, all right, now I want everybody to turn your lights off. So we clicked our lights off, and I have not experienced darkness like this ever before in my life. He said, wave your hand in front of your face. You're going to hear your voice pop off of it, but you can't, you can't see your hand. It was dark. We're talking no, like, cities off in the distance, no stars, no moon, no light whatsoever. It was dark as dark can be. He began talking about why it's so important to be prepared for things, and he said, you always bring a backup headlamp because if the first headlamp goes out, you're stuck. You're stuck in the cave because you can't find your way out without light. And so if you find yourself in a cave and your, your headlamp goes out and you don't have a spare, what he said is, what you have to do is you have to sit down and you have to accept the fact that you are now lost in the dark and you are in desperate need of someone else to come and find you. He said, most people who die in caving accidents when their headlamp goes out are people who continue to stumble around and they fall into a hole or they fall off a cliff. You have to sit down and accept that you are in the dark until someone else brings you light. We've got to admit that we're in the dark. So many of us are unwilling to admit that we're in a dark place. Instead, we just continue to walk around in the dark acting like we can find our own way out And honestly, we're just waiting to fall into a cliff. To experience true inner peace, we must realize we don't currently have it. That's powerful. We have to admit to ourselves that we don't currently have the peace that we want. That's the first step, is admitting where you're at. First step to finding peace is admitting where you are. The next step is everybody's favorite thing in the entire world. It's called being vulnerable. So who loves being vulnerable, huh? Yeah, nobody. All right, that's great. But that's honestly, it's what we got to do. 
God never promised us that it would be easy. We've got to admit to ourselves where we're at, that we're in a dark place, because it's so important to make it possible for us to be vulnerable. We need to be vulnerable with each other because vulnerability kills shame. True vulnerability kills shame. We need to be truly vulnerable. And what I mean when I say that is I mean don't share a piece of where you're at. True vulnerability means full vulnerability. Explaining truthfully where you're at. We need to tell the people that love and care for us the whole truth about where we're at with anxiety. I have this phrase that I use when I'm meeting with people, when I'm counseling with people. It's called the final 10%. And what I found is, is most people, when they're talking about an issue, they're willing to share 90% of the problem, and then they keep 10% in that they think is too dark or too weird or too much. They keep that 10% inside. We call that the final 10%. The odd thing about anxiety is oftentimes it's flipped. We share 10% and we keep 90% inside because the shame tells us it's too dark and it's too deep and it's too much. We have to be sharing with people around us where we're at because living our lives alone does not lead us to peace. We have to share. After I had these four panic attacks in a row, I uh, had a little breakdown in my car with my wife, emotional breakdown with her, and uh, she really didn't know what to do or say to me in that moment. She just kind of looked at me and listened to me. She had no idea I was struggling because I hadn't shared anything with her about it. I hadn't told her what I was dealing with. I hadn't told her anything about the pressure that I was feeling. I had convinced myself that it was for her own good and that I was protecting her. The fact of the matter is, is I wasn't protecting her, I was protecting me. Because if I didn't have to share it with her, I didn't have to face the shame that I felt that I couldn't do it on my own. The shame that I felt that I was overwhelmed, that I felt scared, that I was afraid that she would think less of me if I shared those things with her. After I shared with her a glimpse of, of what I was feeling, I felt a little glimmer of peace flow back into my life. A little bit of light was shined on the darkness that I was experiencing. Being vulnerable is not easy, but it does lead to peace. It leads us to the peace that we're looking for. The story doesn't end there for me. After she and I talked in the car, she told me, you need to call your best friend, Ty. So you know what I did? I didn't call him. (laughs) I didn't call him. Because as I thought about sharing this stuff with my best friend, the things that I felt, the fears that I felt were times 10 of what I felt sharing with my wife. I was terrified. I didn't want to be vulnerable with him. So since I didn't call him, she did, which I wouldn't suggest for everybody, but it worked for me. My wife knew what I needed long before I did. And so I got a phone call from him, and he said, he said, hey, how's it going? And I didn't know about the call. So I was like, oh, things are great. Things are, we're doing good. He's like, how are things at work? I'm like, really good. They're great. We're feeling good. He's like, your wife already called me. How's it going? I'm like, oh, thank you for not letting me just go on lying for like hour after hour after hour. That's what good friends do. And he said, hey, I've heard things are tough, man. And I want you to know I bought you a plane ticket, and I want you to come and see me uh, next weekend. And I was like, no. It's the last thing I want to do. Because immediately inside of me, I knew that I was going to get on a plane. And when I got off the plane, I was going to get into his car and he was going to ask me questions that I had been dodging for months. He was going to ask me questions that I had been giving half-truths to for weeks. But I reluctantly said yes and I, 
I got on the plane. I mean, I respected him. He was a successful businessman, and he has a great family, and I respected him so much. But the shame told me that he would think less of me if I shared where I was at. Shame told me that if I shared, that he wouldn't be my friend anymore. I've always had such good times with him, and I didn't want him to ask those questions. And I didn't want to have to admit them. So I got into the car when I got to Arizona, and he said, all right, start at the beginning. So I talked, and he listened, and he asked questions, and I talked, and he listened, and listened, and listened, and listened. And I got to the end of that, and I was just waiting for the hammer to drop. All the confirmation of all the shame that I had felt, all the fears that I had. And he looked at me, and he said, I'm sorry that you feel like that. I felt like that too. I wish you would have told me sooner. He said something that will just change changed my world. He said, I want you to know I don't have the answers for us, but let's find them together. And he flipped the script in my world because he, he said us. See, when I explained where I was at, he didn't, he didn't shame me and he didn't say, you've got this problem. He said, us, not you. To know that I wasn't alone, it changed the game. After that, we hiked up a mountainside and he prayed for me and he assured me that I wasn't alone in my fears. It was no longer just me who was fighting anxiety, but it was we, it was a we who was fighting to find peace. And that's what vulnerability does and it will do it for you as well. When we are vulnerable, it leads us away from just me and it leads us into we. And that's what God has called us to, to find peace, is to be in relationship with one another, to be able to lock arms with other people and to walk confidently forward. Vulnerability kills shame, which in turn offers us the true peace that God has promised us. He's promised it to you and he's promised it to me. Wrapping things up this morning, uh, this is a picture of where I was at up on that mountain when my friend prayed for me, when he encouraged me, when he told me that I was no longer alone in my fears and anxieties. This is, uh, this is one of my favorite pictures. It's not Instagram filtered up. It's, there's nothing... Nothing extra on there. But it's one of my favorite pictures. Not because it's beautiful, but because of what it represents. Because of the moment that I realized the person behind taking this picture had just taken a leap into peace. I can remember that this was the moment where I felt peace flooding back into my life. Where I felt like I had finally begun to walk around the quiet waters. Where my soul began to be restored. I love this picture. Even now, when I, when I have an anxious day, I, I change this to the background on my phone. And when I look at it, this is my picture of peace. This is what reminds me that I'm not alone in my fight against anxiety. And as we do wrap up, I want you to know that, that I spent four nights with panic attacks, and I spent months undoing that, being vulnerable and sharing with my wife and friends and people, and I still have anxious days. But I also want you to know that I understand that this pales in comparison to the anxiety that some of you are feeling. And it pales in the timeline that some of you have been experiencing it. Some of us have been experiencing this kind of anxiety for decades. Some of us have been fighting it for years, months, years, decades. But we need to admit where we're at with anxiety. We have to become vulnerable, truly vulnerable, 100% vulnerable with the people around us that love and care for us Share your final 
Share the final 10% because that's where healing begins. Don't wait. I want to challenge us. Don't continue to stumble around in the darkness of the cave. Don't continue to do that. Take that step forward towards peace. Be vulnerable with somebody. God has promised us peace. God desires peace for you. A peace that surpasses your understanding and mine. I hope and pray with all that I am and all that I have that we will be a people who are known for peace, who experience peace in our lives. I want you to know that God sees you even when you're in the darkest valley. He loves you in spite of anything that's happened. We worship a God who has a history of calming storms and making the waves obey. He can calm the storm inside of you and he can gently nudge you towards the quiet waters and he wants to restore your soul. Let's pray. God, I thank you and I praise you today that you are willing to take us to the quiet waters, that you are willing to restore our soul. God, that you're willing to exchange our anxieties for peace. God, I'm grateful that you're a God who has come to us, that you sent your one and only son to this earth to offer us an opportunity to know you, to love you, to experience you in a profound way, God. God, give us the courage to be people who seek peace, who seek you, who push the anxieties of this world to the side. God, give us courage to take one step today. Give us the ability to be courageous and being vulnerable. God, help us find a safe person to share with. I'm grateful that you're a God who knows us, loves us, and claims us. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. All God's people said, amen.